0: Welcome to the Behind Their Business podcast, the show that's peeling back the curtain and showing what's actually happening behind the scenes of running a business. I'm your host, Steph Blake, and each week you'll hear from women at all levels of business who are showcasing their stories of struggle and triumph as they juggle business ownership with day-to-day life. Join us to hear inspiring stories and strategies for starting and growing your own business. Hey everybody, Steph Blake here, and I am so glad that you are here for this week's episode. As usual, it is going to be amazing, so you are in for a treat. But before we dive into that episode, I want you to join our private and 100% free and supportive community, for business owners to connect in called the Competent CEO Community. So if you have not joined us yet, here is your invitation to come and join us. Each week, I also do a live training to share my best tips and tricks for scaling an online business the easy way. We talk about strategy, team building, mindset, tools, automation, and everything in between to help you confidently step into the CEO role in your business. So you can go to CompetentCEOCommunity.com to join us today. And now let's dive in to this discussion with our incredible guest. Welcome back to the Behind Their Business podcast, or if this is your first time listening to the show, welcome. We're so glad that you are here. Today, our guest is going to share about what it's like to launch something that you think will be a huge success, but nobody actually buys it. So she's going to be sharing all about that. And we have a lot of other topics that she's going to talk about as well. But in her business, our guest is the co-founder of Catch My Party, the Milo Tree. I think I said Milo that Tree, Milo, Milo Tree, Tree, perfect. Pava app and Milo Tree Cart. So she's going to explain what all of that means, and also talk about how she built these three successful businesses alongside her husband, and uses her MBA from Stanford to market the businesses. And she's also the co-host of the Blogger Junior. B- my gosh, blogger genius podcast. And her goal is to empower other female creators to build successful online businesses that change their lives and give them the freedom that they crave, which as you all know, I love. I'm all about having more freedom in your life. So please welcome Jillian Leslie. Jillian, I'm so glad you're here. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here too. Yes, yes, yes. So we have a lot to talk about, but let's start with what you were doing before you started your first business. And then we'll dive into what all of these different businesses are. So I know Absolutely. you have an
1: MBA, but you didn't go into the corporate world like I thought you did. So share your story no. Oh, so after I got my MBA, I actually was one of those strange people who left that world and I became a writer in Hollywood. So I was a TV and film, write- film screenwriter in Hollywood for 10 years. And I, again, I was working on a movie for Salma Hayek when my daughter was born, and like everything, I believe that having children changes you, especially as a woman. And so, my husband at the time, so we're living in LA. My husband at the time was head of product at MySpace, and I'm, which is all like, remember back in the day, and it was all like teens, and I was writing teen comedies, and I had this MBA. And we said to ourselves, hey, you know, we should like build something on the side, like a side hustle before a side hustle was a thing. And we did. And we built this site called Catch My Party. And um, it was supposed to be, and this is kind of back to what we were talking about when you build something and nobody shows up. This is the story. So what happened was we hired developers in Indonesia. We built this pink and purple site because we were going to create a social photo sharing site for teen girls to share photos of things like their sweet sixteens and their quinceaneras and their bar about mitzvahs and their graduation, but you know, their proms and all that kind of stuff. So we, we did it. We built the site and then we ran into a problem, which is we had no content. So we want people to add photos of their parties so that other people would want to come to our site to see those photos and it was crickets. So we had the chicken and egg problem. So I'm a 30-something-year-old mom. Well, No, I was not a mom yet. Woman chasing teen girls around the internet going, hey, hey, I'm not creepy. Uh, this is weird, but would you add your party photos to our site? And they were like, "In it was like, it was nothing, no party. So like every, like every once in a while, my husband would be like, at his computer and he'd be like, one person is on our site right now. There's no content, but like one person. And I'd be like, oh my God, how are we ever going to grow this? And then, and we were, I was really demoralized because it was my job to get content. And I felt like I had this total understanding of teenagers and teen girls. And then one day we noticed like two moms with Etsy shops started to put their party photos up on our site, like, and they were throwing these beautiful parties because they were selling like beautiful handmade party supplies. And they would put links to their Etsy shop on the site. And my husband and I took a step back and we're like, oh no, we've attracted the wrong audience. There is no way. The teen girls are going to think it's cool to put their party photos up on a site with like Minnie Mouse parties and like my little pony parties and unicorn parties. And so we thought to ourselves, we need to delete this content. Thank God we didn't delete the content because we took a step back. It's like, it happened like on a Friday and we were going away for the weekend. And by Monday though, we started to think to ourselves, wait a second. We thought we knew who our our users were going to be, who our visitors were going to be, and maybe we were wrong. And maybe these, these are our users. So we kind of like re, regrouped. And it was so funny. Cause again, if you look at like the early versions of our site, it's like pink and purple, like almost obnoxiously teen. And yet we discovered that there was a cohort of people who were very excited to put their party photos up on our site. So we leaned into it. So what we said, Hey, Etsy mom, put it, here's where you can put your link. Here's where you can start to draw, you know, create traffic back to your shop to sell your goods. And it was like a mind shift. And I think that is what is so amazing about the internet is that you co if you're really listening, and you're open minded enough, you can co create with your visitors with your users with your customers.
0: Yeah, oh my gosh, that's such a fun story. And I went to the um, Instagram page for Catch My Party. And it's so freaking adorable oh my gosh Mm -hmm. the photos Mm -hmm. are so cute so are you still using user generated content today is it still those etsy moms or have you moved to a different demographic
1: it tends to be because again here's the thing we want it to be beautiful we want it to be both inclusive anybody can add their party photos to our site and aspirational and beautiful so we are super psyched when moms with etsy shops when party stylists party planners, uh, crafty people put their party photos up on our site. And those are the parties that we show off on our Instagram page. But we want to be inclusive. Like anybody can add their party photos to our site. And it's so fun because I have watched families grow up with our site. And like I've seen the baby shower photos and the first birthday photos and the second birthday photos and stuff like that. And so we've built these relationships with many of the people who use our site that's so cool. I
0: love that. You're like going on a journey with them, like literally going on their journey, which is so cool. Exactly. Now, and and gonna... being
1: able to celebrate. And, and it's all about celebration. It's all about happiness. Like at the core, you know, people go, oh my God, that seems so, so trivial that it's like parties and party supplies and stuff like that. But the truth of the matter is I am a big believer in milestones. You know, as a mom, like when you get to that first year, that is a huge accomplishment. Oh my gosh. I think for the mom more than the child. Oh, <laughs> definitely for the mom more than the child. So there is just this um, sense that marking time with celebration, I think is like in our bones. I think it's a, it's a kind of universal thing. And so the idea that I can help facilitate that feels so, cause I feel like our site is about happiness. Yeah. I mean, and connection and love at the end of the day, predominantly it's, it's like a mom's love for her children because for sure. most of the parties, I mean, we do get bridal showers and we do get weddings and stuff like that. But for the most part, we are a site for moms celebrating their kids. But the
0: cool thing about the wedding showers, the bridal parties, they're eventually going, well, not always, mm-hmm. but likely turn mm-hmm. into the moms who mm-hmm. then share their photos on there too. So it, it's Absolutely. literally about every stage of the journey, which is so cool. Um, now Absolutely. I'm going to ask the question that I know a lot of people are wondering. How do you make money off of this? I'm assuming it's advertising.
1: So we make a we have millions of page views a month. So if you've ever been on Pinterest, so for example, on Pinterest, I think we have something like 1.6 million followers, drives a lot of traffic to our site. We get a lot of traffic via Google. So we monetize with that. Two other ways we monetize. One is... Because this is like this idea of like you serve your you serve your visitor, you serve your user. Um, when people were planning parties, a lot of these moms with Etsy shops were putting links to their Etsy shop on our site. And we said to ourselves, what if we could use the Etsy API that's like where you hook into their data and pull those people's products onto our site? For just because it makes the experience better, that there's like an ability to kind of find party supplies on our site, just pulling in the Etsy products. And we didn't, and initially we just did it because we thought it would increase the experience. It would, it would make the experience better. Etsy did not have an affiliate program at the time. So this was really us just going, hey, why not make our site kind of uh, fresher, more helpful. And then Etsy rolled out an affiliate program. So we kind of backed into that. And so we make a lot of money from Etsy affiliates. We also have a special advertising plan where if you're a party stylist or you're a shop owner, you can advertise on our site as well. So those are really the three big buckets of how we monetize.
0: Very cool. Very cool. Love that. Now, I want to hear about your two other businesses because I'm sure that they grew from this, right? So, Milo, exact- 3, exactly.
1: App. Yeah. Exactly. So, it's funny again, you know, back to this idea of listening and hearing what people are looking for and building your business that way. I call it emergent business building. So, it's letting it emerge. So, you have a hypothesis. So it's not like you're just like willy-nilly, just kind of out there floating, trying to find like a business. You you take a stab and you put something out there and then you see what the response is. So what happened for us at Catch My Party, we were getting a lot of traffic from Facebook back in the day. And then Facebook started to turn down the spigot of traffic. And we started to freak out because our traffic numbers just kept going down, 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 down. And I'm like, oh my God, are we going out of business? And what we noticed without doing anything, was Pinterest was driving traffic to us without, we didn't even know. So we said, okay, we need to double down on Pinterest. So my husband, who's a technologist, built our pop-up app that lives on Catch My Party. If you want to see it, go to Catch My Party, and it will pop up and it will say, follow us on Pinterest. And lo and behold, our Pinterest followers started growing. And then we thought to ourselves, wow, we scratched our own itch. We had our own problem. We solved it. And we thought, hey, Maybe this could solve it for other bloggers and creators. We could offer this as what's called a SaaS product, software as a service, where for $9 a month, people could get this pop-up on their blog. And then people said to us, what about Instagram? We want to grow Instagram. We're like, great. So we built a version of our of an Insta, our, our pop-up with Instagram to grow your Instagram followers. And then people said, YouTube, we want to grow our YouTube subscribers. We're like, great. Facebook? Uh, we just rolled out TikTok. So you can install this to grow your TikTok followers, email subscribers. Also, if you have an Etsy shop, you can link it to your Etsy shop and it'll say, shop my Etsy shop, you know, go to my store or my Shopify store, or you can put a custom link in it and send people wherever you want them to go. So you've got like a sponsored post and you want to get eyeballs on it. Great, go link it, you know, put a photo up in your pop-up. And our philosophy is very... I would say um, counterintuitive in that our feeling is we want this to work for you with ease. So if there's a decision we can make on our end that is right for let's say 90% of our users, we're gonna do it and then give it to you so that it just works. So we don't have a lot of settings. Uh, you just install it as a WordPress plugin or a simple line of code, and it will You connect your Instagram account. We're going to pull in your Instagram posts and boom, you've got your pop-up. So then what happened was we also saw this need. We, we coach a lot of bloggers and creators and we saw this need, which is, Female, predominantly female creators tend to have audiences, but they don't quite know how to sell directly to their audiences. So they're more apt to monetize via ads, via uh, sponsored content. And so we saw this need in the market for to help creators, bloggers sell digital products directly to their audiences. So we built MiloTree cart, which is a cart. It's a way to get paid for things like digital downloads. So that ebook or that guide, anything like that, um, any kind of file Also to do paid workshops, memberships, coaching, and to set it up simple. So again, our philosophy, we're going to make a lot of decisions on our end. We offer you free fill-in-the-blank sales pages that you can get up in 10 minutes, no longer having to create these really intricate sales pages or figure out how everything fits together. And so we've rolled out Cart, and we're offering a lifetime- plan. You just buy it one time and you can use it forever. And therefore you can test and you can try and you can say, Hey, does my audience want this? Do they want this? I can just see what's resonating without spending so much time. Like I say this also, which I think is counterintuitive, please your first digital product. Don't have it be a course because you're going to then go off for six months and create a course and feel like you are working so hard on your business only to come back and go, oh no, now I've got to sell this thing. And do people even want it? So I said, go create a mini workshop one hour on Zoom. Like we help you put that together and see if you can get people to sign up for it. Let's say you charge $27 her seat. And people have done this with tremendous success using our products. So some, uh, one person taught people how to bake baguettes, another person in an hour, another person taught how to build like a, a nice fall reef. And boom, she turned it on and made $800 because she's got a following on TikTok. And she was able to take that following and say, come to my workshop. And now she's excited. She's building her next workshop and she's thinking of creating a membership where once a month they do rethink together. So it's like, again, emergent business building. Like you have a plan, definitely have a plan, but hold that plan lightly because you don't know. And the only way to know is to test it and put it into the market and see if people will take out their credit card and purchase.
0: Yeah, absolutely, I completely agree with everything that you just said, and it kind of goes back to what you were talking about before with launching to cricket. Sometimes that's necessary, and that happens to figure out what exactly people want. But by now, I mean, you've been in business for what 10 plus years at this more, point, more,
1: more. Yeah, I started to catch my party in 2009. <laughs> oh, we're yeah, old so school, long time, long
0: time. And I mean, by now, you know exactly who you're speaking to, you know who your people are, and you can. I'm thinking I'm viewing this as almost like a funnel, like you upsell them to different parts of your your product suite, for lack of a better term, which I think is so smart. It just it just makes. But here's so, the
1: thing: so even though I've been even though I've been at this for so long, all I do is test. Yeah, I mean, you have to. That's all. So it's that's it's all like businesses. it doesn't <laughs> end. You know, you don't go yeah. like Eureka. I know. And in fact, your business continues to evolve. So like the pandemic happened and like our catch my party traffic just like plummeted. Nobody was throwing parties. Everybody was terrified. So it's like, oh no, what do we do? And so you're always... And just like social media continues to change. Everything continues to change. So I think that the path of an entrepreneur, like the ones that I think, the ones who are most successful are the ones who are continually kind of taking the temperature of the landscape. Like where are people going? Like for example, right now it's TikTok. And then how can you align yourself with what is changing? And how can you figure out how your business can fit in to where people are?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Like, who? There could be a brand new social media platform pop up tomorrow. Pop up, no pun intended. <laughs> but, uh-huh. Definitely. I mean, you you never know. But I would love to know what, well, I have a couple of questions, but what has it been like to work with your husband through all of this? I'm assuming you, I mean, you're not working in Hollywood anymore, right? So when did you no. leave your job and then go full-time in this business?
1: Okay. So I was a writer in Hollywood, as I had shared right before we pressed record And as I as I mentioned, this was before my husband was at MySpace. There was an entertainment content company that had just opened where my husband was working doing technology, and I came in as a writer and I was pitching ideas because I was between seasons in my TV show. I was like our TV writer, and you know TV shows go on hiatus. Therefore, I went in to pitch ideas, and it is so funny because I remember saying to my agents, "There's this thing called the internet." and we're all going to get rich and i'm i'm like dragging you guys into the future now the company i worked for went through something like 40 million dollars and imploded however i did get rich cuz i did meet my husband so we worked together when we first started like i was a writer and he was a technologist and so like we had very different roles but we worked on the same on my project actually and we worked together really well so we always knew that we could like that that was a healthy thing for us to do because really like our relationship came out of the project that we were working on. Like we were, st- we would work late and be like, hey, I kind of like you, you know? And so, um, and therefore when we sat, when we were, you know, he then went off and worked at MySpace and I was writing movies in Hollywood that were like, you know, We should like put our skills together and do this side project. And that's where Catch My Party came from. Now, people, when I tell them I work with my husband, it's fascinating the responses I get. Some people are like, oh, my God, that's so great. Other people are like, I could never work with my husband. So I think that um, you have to know yourself and know your relationship. But if it does work, it's great because who has my back more than my husband does or who has, you know, we're completely aligned in terms of our goals, which is we want to build a great life for us and our child. And we um, so if he's like, I have to work late, I'm not resentful because I know he's working on our business. So that's what I would say. But if in fact, you're the person who's like, I could never work with my husband. I do not recommend it. The thing that works for us, I do all the marketing. I do all of the communicating. I have the podcast. He does all the backend technology stuff. So we are siloed. Yet all major decisions we make together, but there isn't that feeling of like, I'm stepping on your toes, or you're stepping on mine, or your part is more important than my part. So like, like, there's no one boss. And I think that is, is very um healthy for us. I've heard other situations where like let's say this a woman has a blog and it blows up and she's super successful and her husband comes home to work on it. It can get a little weird if in fact it's the wife's blog but then he's doing all these other things and it kind of feels like who owns this? Who's the boss? And I would say in our relationship and in our businesses, we're both the boss. There's no boss. You know, and that seems to work well. He has yeah. his area of expertise and I have mine. So I'm not going to question him necessarily on like the tech situation. I don't know what he's doing and he doesn't want to be doing my podcast. For sure.
0: No, I mean, that completely makes sense. I am that example that you gave. We are the latter example in our household where it's great. You guys, you started your companies together. So it makes so much sense and you have such different skill sets. Whereas I started my business on my own, ran it for many, many years. My husband came home. We attempted to bring him into the business to do a couple of things. It did not, it did not work. It it did explode. And um, we just decided that it was better for him to not have anything to do with the business. So I am definitely in Yeah, the other and that's boat common. Here. I've
1: heard that over and over again. And I do think yeah. again, because we started together, it wasn't weird. Like there wasn't a kind of like, what's your role? What's my role? Yep.
0: Yeah. And like you said, mentioning like he would view me as his quote unquote boss. And I I, mm-hmm. I never wanted him to view me as that way. I wanted this to be, but that's just the nature of how it was because it was my company and I was bringing mm-hmm. him into my company mm-hmm. that I was building. So, it's so interesting, the dynamics there, but um, I'm glad that now, you shared I will that say, too.
1: I will say this, we have to go make time where it's not work. Like meaning we have to work at being married and a couple and have that because otherwise work, you know, work can blend into everything. So we really try, we both seem to have this instinct to make sure that we are Jill and David first, not like we're together and a couple and we're not just, uh, we're not just like co-founders, you know? Yeah, I mean that's so important to maintain a successful relationship. Mm-hmm. You have to put that. You have to put that as a priority because if you don't, it will slip away. Uh,
0: yeah, absolutely. I mean, every relationship you have to put work in, right? But even more so, I would think mm-hmm. if you're working in a business together, because like you said, you can easily get carried away and just become like, business partners. 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 Yeah. Partners. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Exactly. So I'm I'm really glad that you mentioned that as well. Now, one thing before we wrap up, I I really like to tell stories on this podcast to kind of bring people along and kind of put them in your brain for lack of a better term so that they can kind of see what you were feeling so back in the day when you launched catch my party and you didn't have any show up and purchase what was going through your mind like if you could kind of if you can even remember
1: back then yeah how how you were feeling like did you just want to give up what 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 yeah I was despondent I felt Like nothing was working and no matter how hard I tried and I felt like was this all a waste because we spent a fair amount of money building our site and we, I wouldn't do it this way today. Cause we kind of did a little field of dreams. Like if we build it, they will come. And I, I think that again, you learn as you go. And today, again, I would be make testing and making sure there's a market for what you're doing or that you, you're like, we weren't building with our users. I wasn't talking to teen girls. I kind of thought, oh, I know. And I didn't know. I didn't know what they wanted and they didn't want what we built That's why, for example, I say, don't go build a course thinking, you know, and then spending all this time coming back and going, look, it's this complete course. Instead, go make sure people are on on board with you and build with those people. So that was a big mistake that we made. Ultimately, it wasn't even solved by us. It was solved because people found our site. And again, we were ready to kick them out. Because we're like, no, 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 it doesn't look like we're. it's supposed to look. And thank God we had the peace of mind or the perspective to say, well, wait, like nothing else is working, but this seems to work. It doesn't look like what we thought it was going to look like. Maybe this is okay. So just always be looking for those opportunities and lean into them. It took us a little bit to lean into it because I think we were kind of shell-shocked. I think there is a I don't want to say arrogance, but a little bit like you believe your own stuff. You think, of course, this will work until you actually then put it in front of people. And it's incredibly humbling when it doesn't work. Now I'm used to being humbled. Now I'm used to knowing that my hypothesis that it's so funny. So we'll work with other bloggers and creators and they'll say to me, like, so we have Milo tree cart and they'll go, I have a great idea for a, an ebook, let's say, or a guide or a workshop. And they'll go, what do you think? And if I like the idea, I'll go, my God, I think that is an awesome idea. And then I always say, but I don't know. Like, don't trust me. I'm not the expert in whatever your field is. Even in my own field, you're different from me. Like, let's say you help bloggers. Well, I help bloggers. I have my perspective on what bloggers need, but my audience is different than your audience. So I don't know. So, and then whenever I say that, I can see, they kind of go like, oh, because I'll be like, that is, I think that is a great idea. And they're like, yes, I'm going to make a million dollars. But then I always caveat it with, we'll have to test it. To see, and if if I feel like if we all kept that in mind, we would then not take it as personally when it doesn't work. We would see it as a learning experience. We would pivot off of that with the knowledge that we had, and we would go forward and test something else. Yeah, so I mean, I completely agree. That, so many people think that, that me- is my
0: perspective. I was- Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think so many people think that they have one great idea and it's just going, like you said, lead to the millions of dollars without even testing it, without having those conversations. Because you know, because you know. Yes. And And even though you think you
1: know, you don't know. Yeah.
0: Every time that I thought I knew, I had no idea. No. (laughs) I would launch to crickets too, whether it was something as small as like an ebook or even like a Facebook ad, right? I thought that I knew what people Mm -hmm. wanted to read and the content they wanted to see, Mm -hmm. I didn't know. Once I started to ask questions and I started to test, okay, then I figured it out,
1: right? And also like, how often is it that like your number one pin on Pinterest, let's say, is something you're embarrassed by? Like, oh, I have this, uh, we have this like cracker recipe on Catch My Party and it kills. And it was like from God knows how long ago. And I don't think the photos are very pretty. It's a little embarrassing. And yet for whatever reason, it does really well. And That's then so there funny. are things that I think are so beautiful, and it's again, it's like it falls down, like nobody cares. Yeah, yeah, it's so like you, you can spend it.
0: hours creating like a TikTok video, and then the one that you spend like thirty seconds creating, that one gets
1: all of exactly. the bugs, and you're like, what's Exactly. Exactly. And yeah. I think there is this element of, um, we don't know and we don't know why that tiktok took off we don't like you think you do and maybe there's some lessons and maybe you should then i would argue go repeat whatever you did and try to you know change one variable and see if you can recreate that success but it's it's like life is there's an element of life that's just random so you want to kind of set yourself up for success by listening by um by trying to copy what has worked in the past or building off of that. But again, it's really about at-bats. How many times can you get up at-bat and test and try? I think that is a perfect way to wrap up this episode.
0: Thank you again for being here. Thank you for sharing your story, your perspective on launching and failing, honestly, failing. for lack of a better word. yeah. Get used okay to with failing. failing.
1: Yeah. Yes feeling well, is thank not a bad so effort. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> you are so welcome. And where can everybody connect with you if they want to learn more
1: about all of these amazing products that you've built? Awesome. Well, first, my podcast, the Blogger Genius Podcast. Two, go to catch my party. You'll see our pop-up app. Our pop-up app is called Milo Tree. It's M-I-L-O-T-R-E-E dot com. And then our new payment tool. If you have an audience and you're not selling to them, you are missing out on a, a new income stream that's that is waiting for you. But Again, you got to figure out what to put in front of them, and so you can find that at milotreecart.com and email me Jillian at milotree. I will like milotree.com. I list. I read everything. I reply to everything, and I'd love to hear from you.
0: Perfect. That's amazing. Thank you again for sharing all of that, and thank you for being here with us.
1: Oh, thank you for having me.
0: Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Behind Their Business podcast with me, Steph Blake of the Blake Collective, which is a female-led company focused on helping online entrepreneurs start and scale their own businesses. If you or someone you know would make a great guest for the show, we would love to interview you. Visit our website at BehindTheirBusiness.com to submit a short application and learn more about the show and how you can support our mission. If you enjoyed the show, we would love for you to share it with a friend or a loved one too. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. Thank you again for listening to the Behind Their Business podcast.